All right, y'all, you're locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by Will McFadden of the Falcoholic and the Believe in Falcons podcast, and today's episode's all about expectations, how Will went into this week three game against Seattle, expecting the Falcons to roll, and when they didn't, what did he learn from that, as well as if we can expect that Sunday's result in which the Falcons were able to feed and feature Kyle Pitts early in the game resulted in success, if that trend will continue as the season progresses. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me, your proud host, Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Sirius Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. your very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, where daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And guys, we thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen. Each and every day, of course, Lockdown Falcons is free and available Monday through Friday on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and of course, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Falcons on YouTube. Give us a like, hit that bell, and you will get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. So guys, uh, without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Will McFadden, formerly of AtlantaFalcons.com, currently the host of the Believe in Falcons podcast, alongside, you know, one of my favorite players of Falcons history at all time, Anobi Mahaley, and of course, a regular contributor over at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. So we'll jump in that conversation with Will right now. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons, and I'm joined by another illustrious guest. He is none other than Will McFadden of the Believe in Falcons podcast. You can also find Will's musings over at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. Today, of course, Will's going to be with us to discuss and recap this week three win over the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I know, Will, you kind of tweeted out on Sunday in the midst of the game that you expected the Falcons to kind of dominate this game yep. uh, and dominate the Seahawks matchup. Um, I'm curious, why did you think that share with the listeners, why you had those thoughts going into the game and sort of what did you sort of feel like coming out of this game? And what did you learn about this Falcons team? Yeah. You know, it was, I certainly didn't think kind of as the week started that I would feel the way that I ultimately did, which is I actually like the Falcons quite a bit in this matchup and expect them to, kind of put it to the the Seahawks. I really thought the score would be in the range of something like, you know, 28, 30 points for Atlanta and like 17 for Seattle, like that type of performance. Um, and really that had to do with, you know, Seattle's offense just didn't scare me at all. Even though they still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Geno Smith was averaging, you know, I think like 5.5 air yards per um, pass through the first two weeks. And yeah, he was completing 81% of his passes, but 
he was just throwing it short the entire time, just checking it down, getting rid of it quickly, things like that. So I didn't really think that they would take advantage of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Conversely, Atlanta's offense has been pretty consistent. They've been putting points up on the on the board, even though they have not been excellent in the red zone. And so I thought, all right, even a little bit of improvement in the red zone, we're probably looking at a at a score that could get lopsided here pretty quickly in Atlanta's favor. And then I just didn't think Seattle's offense would be able to play the type of game to catch up. I didn't really see the back and forth game coming, but maybe that's just what we should expect from this Atlanta squad. Although, you know, the first two weeks certainly weren't back back and forth. They were lopsided until they weren't. Um, but I think that, you know, as inspiring as it was to see Atlanta play the first two weeks close against these good teams, because that's kind of what we wanted to see, even though we may quibble about how they arrived at that close outcome and may have some specific issue with that type of thing. It was a little bit disheartening to see, again, a team that I think, even though there may be an equal talent, I just think Atlanta is going to be at a little bit of a higher version of itself than maybe a normal bad team would. They're a good bad team. Like they're just kind of competent out there and they know what to do and they're creative and that gives them certain advantages. They, I, that's why I wanted to see them take it to Seattle because I just felt like this is the type of game against equal opponent that they can differentiate themselves. So I'm, I'm ultimately, I'm very excited that they got the win. I just thought it would maybe be in a little bit of a different fashion. Okay. So the, the fact that they didn't necessarily dominate to the degree that I think you, you wanted and hoped to see, where are you sort of with this team now having, you know, seen them in action on Sunday? I mean, I, I certainly don't feel any worse. Yeah, it's it's not because expectations, like I'm I'm aware that we're all just predicting something that's like literally impossible to predict. <laughs> like absolutely impossible to predict. And so I may feel like, hey, yeah, it's probably gonna go one way. A handful of players on both teams could just wake up on the wrong side of the bed on Sunday and there goes that prediction right out the window. So it's like I think what I respect about this team, and it was kind of a thought that popped in my head on the very first drive when Mike Rothstein, you know, tweeted out that he was seeing the Falcons kind of in a two-five um four look there, and just how different this team is week to week. I think their use of the inactives list is interesting. I mean, they it because with Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, it was kind of the same like five or six guys pretty much each week, unless injuries were happening and things like that. But there seems to be real thought into who is active for each game plan and what do they bring to the table. And I think for that reason, week to week, this team will be different, but I still, like I said, expect them to maybe have a higher floor because I really am starting to trust this coaching staff. I'm starting to trust a lot of the game plans. I think that they go into the game with it remains to be seen exactly like the in-game adjustments, things like that, because obviously when you have a fourth quarter meltdown, that points to some issues, but We'll see how that all evens out throughout the season. I just think, again, there's a higher level of competency about this team. I don't know if that leads to wins each and every week, but I do think that it will probably be rare that Atlanta just gets run out of the building like they did at times last year. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see if they can uh, live up to those expectations. Well, <laughs> as you say, expectations are everything uh, in yes. this business. So um, let's talk a little bit about a player that a lot of people had high expectations for heading into the season and didn't quite seem to live up to those expectations, at least on the stat sheet in weeks one and two, and then did so in week three. And of course we're talking about 
Kyle Pitts and I'll get Will's thoughts on Kyle Pitts's quote unquote breakout game uh, in week three against Seattle. And so we'll talk about that coming up. But guys, before we get there, I do want to tell you about our sponsor, Prize Picks, who present a fun new way to play daily fantasy. All you got to do is pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win money up to 10 times as much on your entry. For example, if you feel good about both Kyle Pitts and Drake London uh, getting more than 52.5 receiving yards this weekend against Cleveland, yeah, you can you can pick that. Hey, maybe you feel really great about Nick Chubb uh, getting more than 88.5 rushing yards. Or maybe you have some insight into Thursday night's matchup between Tua and Joe Burrow. You can go and pick that on prize picks. And then the great thing about prize picks is not you competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. And whether we're talking about NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, college football, they have you covered. It's fast. It's easy. It's currently in operation in over 30 states in the U.S. and Canada. All you have to do to play is download the PrizePix app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up to play a new fun way of playing daily fantasy. First-time users can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. Again, don't forget that promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So here with Will McFadden of the Believe in Falcons podcast and talking about, you know, Kyle Pitts and going over and more projections than what he's had this season. Okay, this is a bad segue. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we're, we're talking about Kyle Pitts, right? Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about Kyle Pitts. It, it, it seemed like the popular conclusion, Will, from Sunday's action was, hey, look what happened. You fed Kyle Pitts the ball, and you you benefited. It's like step one, feed Kyle Pitts. Step three, profit. You know, and <laughs> is that sort of as simple as it gets in your eyes? You know, do you sort of see that a similar way? I mean, I certainly think that the Falcons are a better offense when they involve Kyle Pitts than when they do not. Um, that being said, I, it was very clear from the very first play, right? Okay, they've had enough. Right. You're, we're going to get Kyle Pitts involved in this game plan. I, I think it benefited them greatly in that against, you know, a cover three team defense a little bit like they found those hole shots. I think they did a great job. Drake London had a beautiful route where he kind of sold the inside and then just immediately great gain that outside leverage. Um, but what yesterday the offense kind of did for me was it was the duality of both the run game and the pass game. And so what getting Kyle Pitts, I think involved does is he immediately I think becomes the most dangerous player when you're on defense and you're playing the Falcons and so he is then your first and foremost focus on any single given play and Cordero Patterson is too good to kind of be overlooked you know not entirely certainly but to some degree if you're going to make him the number two priority or number three behind Drake London or however you want to dial that out by the way, you've got Marcus Mariota who can run. It just becomes too many things for a defense to have to keep track of every single play. And that is what I think will ultimately give the Falcons their best version of the 2022 offense. It's take advantage of the versatility of five different dudes on your offense. Hope that your offensive line continues to play as, as well as it has. Um, I, I think that Again, they're getting some really creative scheme looks in there that is benefiting the guys up front. You know, Colby Gossett didn't have 
the greatest game in the world, but I think it's telling that you can essentially, you know, go to a reserve guy like that and not totally fall apart um, on the offensive line. So they're doing well, but it's, it's how Kyle Pitts unlocks everything else. And then vice versa. Once everything starts getting going and you get Cordero Patterson, just, you know, hammering that inside outside zone sucks up the defense. Boom. There's another explosive play. I think it's telling that the Falcons were much more explosive yesterday than I think they were through the first two weeks. And a lot of that does have to do with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, you mentioned the five weapons and, you know, Pitts and London and Patterson and Mariota. And, of course, Parker Hesse as that fifth option that really <laughs> brings out the best of this Falcons offense. But, uh, um, yeah, it was interesting to see how committed the Falcons were to that, like, 12 personnel mm-hmm. uh, with those two tight end looks to the, the point that, you know, Brian Edwards was inactive in this game. Um, yeah. I'm just curious, sort of, you know, I had some people hit me up on Twitter on Monday asking me, you know, what's going on with Brian Edwards? Um, I'm just curious to get, pick your brain on that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, first and foremost. So all of this is, is speculation. Um, it's what I do I, for a living. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're, we're just professional speculators. Um, I think that kind of like what I was saying with the way that the Falcons have used the inactives list this season and being very intentional and in going into each game plan with, or going into each game, I guess, with a specific game plan to execute. I wonder just how much have they learned what Brian Edwards defined like role should be with this team. What does he bring to the table that maybe some other guys can't, or does some other guys bring things to the table that the Brian Edwards doesn't. And maybe it's just a little bit early on. He was dinged up through at training camp. So missed a little bit of time there. It could just be, they're trying to still figure out the best way to like, obtain value from Brian Edwards during the course of the game. Cause even when he's been active, you know, he started week one, like he hasn't really gotten many looks. He hasn't gotten a ton of snaps. So it, that speaks a little bit more to, we don't know how to totally use this guy when you've got, you know, a unicorn like Kyle Pitts, when you've got somebody with the height and speed and agility combination of Drake London, you know, you've got your Alameda Zacchaeus. He's got a clearly defined role, even Parker Hesse you know, has a clearly defined role, but Brian Edwards of all of the receivers just strikes me as the most, here's a normal NFL receiver. Now we all think he's very tantalizing as, as a talent and that he kind of has some of this alpha X receiver uh, vibes, I guess, for lack of a better word, but we haven't seen it yet. And so maybe the team hasn't either. And that's where they're trying to figure out in the mishmash of how we want to make this offense beautiful and versatile and all that stuff. How do you plug him in there? And that, that could be what it is. I think that's a, a a good speculative assessment there, Will. <laughs> I, I kind of stand in the same way. I think far too often people try to read too much into who's inactive and who's active, and I think it's just right. kind of a numbers game. And as you said, I think their game plan was kind of let's lean heavily on the on the multiple tight end sets uh, yep. as part of our game plan, and there's just not a whole lot of room for wide receivers uh in that situation and with London with Pitts basically being, you know, a wide receiver with Zacchaeus playing as well as he had. And, and frankly, you gotta give credit to Daryl Hodge, who hasn't gotten a ton of snaps, but when he's gotten yeah. opportunities, he's made plays. And that's something that Brian Edwards hasn't necessarily done. And Edwards doesn't really play special teams. So right. if you're not really confident that, you know, that third wide receiver is going to be a big part of the game plan, then I think, you know, Edwards in that situation 
becomes expendable. But I wouldn't necessarily, if people are like, oh, no, Brian, Brian Edwards is a bust or anything, I think, <laughs> you know, it's it's still a long season. Um, and I, I think we will certainly see Brian Edwards contributing uh, before the season is up. So I and, and if you even it. look back at the at the game from yesterday, they didn't use a handful of weapons. They really kind of relied on, um, you know, just just a handful of guys there. It was pretty much Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Alameda did have a catch. But outside of that, I mean, Anthony Ferkser had one, Cordero Patterson had one, Tyler Algier had one. It's not like Marcus Mariota was spreading the ball around a bevy of wide receivers. So, again, it may have been a game plan specific thing. They knew that they weren't going to be they were going to kind of go heavy at their guys and say, our guys are better than your guys. And so that's how we're going to beat you. And that's kind of how it felt like it ultimately played out at the end of the day for Atlanta. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's gone well for this team has been a surprise to me based off of the team last year where mm-hmm. it felt like, you know, they would have a game plan and then we get to Sunday and they were not doing a great job executing that game plan. I feel like all three weeks, you know, to varying degrees that the Falcons have had a plan. They've gone out and executed that plan. And that's why we've gotten sort of competitive games that have come down to the the final possession each and every time. And you hope, you know, more often than not, that will go in the Falcons favor this year. Right. Uh, we'll sort of see how it all plays out. But speaking of that being a surprise that's, you know, worked out in the Falcons favor, we'll pick Will's brain on some of the surprises that he's seen, both positive and negative. Uh, based off of the Falcons in the first three weeks. And we'll get into that as we continue today's episode. But before we get there, guys, I do want to tell you about the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family with Locked On Falcons, Locked On Braves, Locked On Hawks, Locked On Bulldogs, all part of. And of course, Locked On Sports Atlanta is its own podcast feed that you can find on all the same podcast platforms that you are currently subscribed to Locked On Falcons, including on YouTube. And if you subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube, you will get the Locked On Braves postcast as well as the Locked On Falcons postcast and Jarvis Davis, the co-host of the ATL Day Ones podcast, one of three shows on the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast. He joins me each and every Sunday, occasionally Thursday, and maybe a Saturday sprinkled in to give you that postcast reaction uh, to the Falcons. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta, uh, hit that bell, give them a like, all that stuff, so that you know when we go live immediately after the Falcons game. So guys, thank you for joining us here. Want to make, uh, want to thank you for making us your first listen each and every week and make sure you subscribe to Locked on Falcons as well. Just broke 3000 subscribers. We're trying to get up to 4000 as soon as possible. So if you're checking us out today, make sure you subscribe, uh, on YouTube. Uh, thank you for that. But, uh, here with Will McFadden of the Believe in Falcons podcast, wrapping up today's episode. And I guess, Will, we're, we're talking about this team and expectations and all these various things, uh, going into the season. Now we're three weeks in. Obviously, these things will change over the course of the year. But have there been things, you know, in a positive way that have surprised you about this football team? And have there been things in maybe a less than positive or underwhelming way that you're surprised by at this point in the year? Yeah, I to start with the positive. Um, and I, you know, I think that if you were maybe asking me before the season to rank, if I could have any area of the field be a positive for this team, you know, which would I choose this, this may be number one, and it's in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I mean, I really have been pleasantly surprised with, again, just the level of competence. Like that's, I feel like the key word for me through three weeks with this Falcons team, but that's kind of what it is. It's not always flashy, but when you watch the offensive line specifically, 
play in and play out, there's a level of like nastiness that I haven't previously seen with some of these guys. I mean, and they're doing a great job passing off blocks, communicating. Sometimes you still have just a blatantly missed, like Elijah Wilkinson missing, um, you know, Bobby Wagner against the Rams just on a, on a clear blitz that blows it up. But those are becoming much uh, less frequent. And we're seeing it both in the run game. I, Chris Lindstrom has been awesome, I think, this season and underratedly. I think Caleb McGarry has been really solid, um, even though he, you know, as all tackles do, has some stretches where against great competition, maybe he uh, doesn't hold up always. But I think by and large, he's been very improved. And then defensively, I mean, the defensive line kind of late in the game against Seattle really took it over. Uh, Grady Jarrett specifically was a monster out there uh, all throughout the game, even though, you know, the box score may reflect that or not. He was noticeably kind of in the backfield, in run lanes, kind of wrecking a lot of the stuff that Seattle wanted to do. I think Lorenzo Carter has kind of also been a little bit of a surprise for me. He's played well through three games um, as well. And then you've got some of the young guys who, again, are quietly doing, I think, good work. Taquan Graham, Ade Ogundeshi didn't have his best game against Seattle. Uh, I will say that, but I think that, you know, he's been pretty solid uh, for Atlanta so far. And then Abdul Anderson uh, as well. So both kind of lines of scrimmage have, I think, been a little bit overshadowed with some of the gaudier numbers like Cordero Patterson putting up or Kyle Pitts or whatever. But amongst Falcons fans, I think that a lot of people are recognizing, hey, this is better than what we've seen in the past. And I do think that it has a lot to do with the one score games that the Falcons have found them in, you know, found themselves in late in the year. It gives you the ability to come back and it, you know, keeps you in the flow. There have just been so few times this season where the Falcons are like three and out, three and out, three and out, 12 play drive from the other team, 12 play drive from the other team. And it just feels like different than what we had the last few years in that regard. And it's so refreshing to see. Yeah, you know, I feel like this is better than what it's been before in regards to the line is the understatement of the year uh, from you, Will. Um, yeah, it, it, it has been, I've been, you know, I, I always have a tendency to to be, you know, the Debbie Downer, so to speak, and, and waiting for that other shoe to drop. And so I've been kind yeah. of waiting, okay, when is the game where the offensive line gets exposed? And and it could I be would this week. love it to be that we're... <laughs> You know, I'm still in November. We're we're in November, and I was like, when, when is the game where the offensive line gets exposed? You know, right? Uh, and and still having that conversation. So I do think they deserve a lot of the credit um, for this team's offensive success. That they are actually been a a you know gone beyond serviceable to actually a a very competent unit um, this season. As far as surprises for you, things maybe that you went into the season was the opposite of the case that yeah. you had certain expectations for that haven't quite lived up to it uh, at, at this point in the season. Is there anything that stands out to you? Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I, I don't mean to be overly hard on him, but I, I did have higher expectations for Casey Award. You know, I, I, I was very vocal that that was like my favorite signing of the of free agency. And I still feel that way, you know, and I, I, I'm fully aware that it's a long season. I actually, um, you know, during training camp was asking about Casey Hayward a, a little bit. And, you know, I, I kind of learned that he likes to play his way into kind of form and and is somebody who at this point in his career, which makes sense. He's been in the league for a long time. I think he's on his 11th season. And it's you, when you get to that part, like rest and recovery become a little bit more than more important than preparation before the year. And 
So I would not be shocked if we have not yet seen the best of Casey Hayward. In fact, I expect that to be the case. I'm a little bit surprised, though, that he's not faring well or better in zone coverage, given that that is seemingly a comfort area for him. I, I continue to think that the Falcons secondary plays their best in man coverage this season, um, but they haven't you know, done that a lot. Again, game plan specific things, but I don't know. Just we're clearly seeing teams test AJ Terrell a little bit more, which must mean that Casey Hayward is being effective to some degree because otherwise they would just pound, you know, that number two receiver like they did last year. But the moments where he is giving up the big play to to the tight end like yesterday or, you know, just catches in his coverage seem easier than they should be. So I expect him to get it all turned around. But yes, because I had high expectations for Casey Hayward and kind of this secondary overall, which I think the secondary has been okay, but not what I expected. Um, and, and Casey Hayward has a little bit of a role in that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Because I think most, almost everybody agreed going into the season. Like, you know, we don't know how good this team is, but one area that we all kind of agree is going to be good um, is that cornerback room and, and right. to a lesser extent that secondary overall. Uh, and they haven't quite lived up to that. I think, it was, as you mentioned, some of that has been Hayward not necessarily being uh, the sort of lockdown zone coverage guy that we kind of built him to be and, and AJ Terrell getting tested a lot more and, and losing some of those battles a little bit more than we've seen the last couple of years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that conversation is like, you know, a month from now. Exactly. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So it's not been, it's not been like horrible. It's not been yeah. just, we just had it's the one area we actually had high expectations for right exactly exactly that's all it is yeah so uh will i I definitely appreciate you coming on and and talking about how expectations you know affect our perception you know i i I talk about all the time on the podcast but uh you know it doesn't quite sink in i think until a second person comes on and says hey yeah that's that's what i said but um (laughs) um really appreciate you joining me today and uh you know, go ahead, plug what you have coming for the folks over with, you know, my favorite fullback, although, you know, Parker Hesse's making a, a push oh, wow. uh, to take that title. Uh, <laughs> I have to tell Ovi you said that. Uh, Ovi will literally probably fight me and Parker Hesse at the same time uh, to reclaim oh, he the would. title. So please and win. don't tell him I said anything. Um, keep that between us. Uh, but yeah, uh, what, what do you have going on with Ovi over at Believe in Falcons? Uh, in the coming days and weeks. Yeah. So uh, Ovi and I record every Sunday after the game. Uh, That goes up first thing Monday morning, just breaking down all the action. So go Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find that currently um, covering the Seattle game from last night. So there's that. Then all my written stuff is on the Falcoholic. Same as Aaron. Um, Actually, Aaron, I want to ask the, the little, the Twitter handle rollout. That, that Dave puts out, you know, every Sunday morning. Did you see the response to F Mary kill? And and then the, the lady responded Falc fans for all three. I need to get your reaction to that. Did, have you been in communication with her? Is there, are there any plans to do, accomplish any of those three? Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I feel like that's, you know, if, if, if I don't win all three of those, I'm not doing my job on Twitter. Right. See, that's I. You were the only person that was the correct answer for all three of those. So, kudos to you, my friend. You're you're doing the Lord's work. But you can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Um. So yeah, great compliment to uh to Aaron on Twitter. He brings everybody down, and then I try to lift you all back up. There you go. 
<laughs> I don't think anybody's going to try to kill you. Yeah, okay. Uh, I hope not. Not again. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, man, really appreciate you having, uh, coming on and, and sharing your insights. Uh, yeah, no but, problem. Uh, we'll get out of here on this guys tomorrow. We'll do the all 22 review. Uh, and if you have some feedback that you want to provide any things you want me to focus on, uh, when we get into the all 22, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Falk fans, uh, and Facebook at Falk fans. You can send an email to lockdownfalcons at mail.com. And of course you can jump in the lockdown Falcons discord or leave a comment here on lockdown Falcons on YouTube and make sure you check out Peacock and Williamson as your second listen. Of course, Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson are giving you the insight on all 32 NFL teams and their expert analysis all on the same podcast platforms you find locked on Falcons. Guys, really appreciate it. Till then.